0: Welcome to Staying at the Table. We are friends and community and part of a church called Cornerstone Christian Fellowship in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Despite our many differences, we aim to stay at the table, which means we don't walk away from each other when we disagree. We believe the best of relationship comes when we're willing to listen to each other, showing love even when we continue to see the world differently. In today's episode, we have a conversation around the table on a blog that our very own Brian Chilcote wrote on justification theory. Sit back and enjoy.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to our table. We're um, going to address another topic of interest for our own community, but also all of you out there in listener land Uh, We're going to talk today about something called justification theory. And we decided that it would be worthwhile to address some of the core beliefs that uh, we have as a Christian community, like of all the communities we could be, we call ourselves a Christian community. And part of what that means is how we know we are part of that community. What does it mean to be saved? And more specifically, what does it mean to be saved by faith, through grace, those kinds of terms that we uh, talk about and discuss, but we want to examine those a little bit more in detail, probe them a bit, see what their strengths and weaknesses are, and talk about our own beliefs about uh, what it means to be saved in a relationship with Christ, uh, to be right with God, all of those kinds of things. So, And you are Brian Chilcote. Oh, I forgot to introduce us. <laughs> Hello, I'm Brian Chilcote. I'm joined by the Reverend James Beatty and the Reverend Dr. Tracy S. Saletta. L. L, whatever. <laughs> the S stands for super. <laughs> what does the L stand for? Lee. Lee. Oh, that's so nice. I like that. Tracy Lee. Tracy Lee. Wow, great. So, um, let's start by talking about some general ideas about justification theory. The fact that uh, we've derived some of our beliefs about what it means to enter into the kingdom of God. Uh, we've derived a lot of those ideas from the Bible, of course, as a source of our data our, and our authority for life, practice, and godliness. Uh, The first step, I think, in this is that human beings know the will of God. It's been revealed to us in many different ways, specifically general revelation, uh, which talks about nature, our consciences, uh, things that are not uh, specific or... um, you know codified in any way just in general walking around human beings we can see some things in the world that might point us to the fact that there's a supreme deity out there that has created all this and special revelation would be things more like the bible in some groups it's tradition uh, doctrines that have been upheld tried and true tested over time interpretations of the Bible that we've all agreed upon. So as we read a word, we also have, find there a revelation of God and God's will. We also find out from the Bible that we are unworthy of living up to that, uh, to God's will, God's expectations, that we fall short of that, and we're really in need of a solution. And that's the source of a lot of our problems in the human condition is the fact that we find God's will to be unattainable on our own.
0: That's some people's belief. Mm
1: -hmm. Right, yeah. I'm I'm just saying the general, what you'd find in a systematic theology textbook or in general out there in the church community, yeah. So we'll get to what we believe about about all of this in a minute. Right,
0: (laughs) but I'm just making sure that as you're saying all that, that's just a general Understanding. Yes, yes.
1: So, and it falls under the heading of justification theory, which we may, around the table, we may or may not agree with. Uh, God provides a solution to that uh, falling short in something called the atonement, which has to do with Jesus' death and resurrection. when you place your faith in Jesus's substitutionary atonement, in other words, Jesus substituted for you on the cross, thereby taking the punishment or God's wrath or His, uh, He needs to the fact that God needs to judge sin happened on the cross with Jesus. We don't have to undergo it because Jesus did, and uh, the resurrection. Uh, confirms that and also places Jesus in a role of, uh, you know, intermediary between us and God and a, a life that is worthy of God's will and plan. Here's the problem. Uh, what does it look like or how does it, how do we define the idea of saving faith? What is that? How does it work? Um, and how do we know if it's, um Happening in us, and how do we know if it's happening in another person? So that we can define our community and even define ourselves as Christians in terms of how we stand with God. So there's the first question that we have for justification theory. Uh, one way that we tend to answer that as a, you know, a, a church, you know, I'm talking about in general, mm-hmm. uh, is works things we do, behaviors we take on subsequent to, say, baptism or a decision of some kind to enter into uh, the church community. So let's go from there and talk about some of the issues or problems with the uh, idea of justification theory, what are its strengths, weaknesses, and then we can talk about what how we conceive of this idea, how, what we think it's going on there when we talk about being saved. So, Open
0: I think for me, I don't agree with the justification theory at all. Um I think in some ways that I do, I think the premise of you know we're unworthy, I just don't hold that, and I don't hold um, you know my premise for what I believe happened from the beginning um, is that we, you know, God looked at humanity and said it was very good. And even after, you know, the story of the fall, you know, Adam and Eve were taken out of the garden, but God remained with them and in relationship with them and walking with them. And I think oftentimes people imagine when God sends Adam and Eve out of the garden you know, in that story that God stayed in the garden and they left it. But but that's not how it went. So for me, the atonement is about God's love. And it's about God dwelling in us and us dwelling in them is the term them I often use for the Trinity, the, the God and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So for me, it's an act of love, not an act of all the sins were put on Jesus. I do believe that um, they were, but I don't believe that that was the sole purpose. So my premise starts from a foundation of love for this whole justification theory and that God is for us. So I'll just stop there.
1: Yeah, that's good. Um, how how do you see the atonement apply to an individual then? What, what, what's the dynamic of saying, Uh, I enter this community on the basis of the atonement of Christ on the cross, death and resurrection. What do you mean by that question? Well, what what happens, how does it happen that someone understands those principles that you just outlined and applies them to themselves?
0: I think in the, if I'm understanding your question, I think it is saying yes to wanting to follow Christ, saying yes to wanting to follow God, saying yes to the presence of God, the Holy Spirit in their life, consistent. It's more relational for me. Mm-hmm. It, it's a relational interaction. How many people step into a church or how many people go to church and there's there's not a relational interaction? It's, oh, I'm okay because I'm doing this act. It works because I'm doing this this work for me, it is built around relationship, and and it's not necessarily you know in evangelical circles. It's saying the magic words, you know, Jesus come right. into my heart, be my Lord. It's more than that for me. Mm-hmm. That's the smallest. That's the smallest thing that's done. So, and I and I don't even know if it's necessary.
1: Mm, right, good, yeah. So when you think about atonement, you don't think about what a lot of people do, and that is a legal transaction yeah, that's taken place between me, Jesus, and God. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just very different from that. So from what her. happens after that, after someone has said yes, are there any hopes or expectations for that people that, or that person that uh, we should expect or look for? How do we know if they're in or out? Those kinds of questions.
0: I don't think it's up to us to decide who's in or out first. But I think second is, as you enter into relationship, you know, I've been with my husband 45 years. And if you see us, we kind of look alike. And, you know, there are things we do that are alike. Why? Because of relationship, because we've been together for so long. So there's a living into the invitation that God has for us. So when I look at the thing, the lists in the Bible, to me, that's an invitation to something deeper. It's not God going, if you do this and you, if you don't do this, you're going to die. It's God saying, there's a better way. Follow me and find that better way. So for me, again, it surrounds relationships. So I do think there's fruit. I do think you'll see people that have fruit in their lives you know but it, for me it's a living into all that god has invited us into
1: right another problem with justification theory is that it it uh doesn't really uh address the idea that someone so, that someone could really make that exchange uh, that legal exchange and then their behavior may or may not change uh, absolutely and so, you you know, you kind of expect it, but you, the idea of works is really a tricky one for this idea of how one is saved. Um, you're supposed to have different behaviors after you've said yes or made some decision or prayed a prayer, whatever it might be. But oftentimes there's a lapse or, a you know, a sin that comes in and we say, oh, yeah, well, they're still saved. It's just, you know, they had trouble there. And and it doesn't account for lives lived that have had tremendous positive effects on humanity uh, from people who are nowhere near being an insider. Uh, you know, Malala, Malala, Malala. you know, she's Muslim. But look at the things she's done for for our whole existence. You know, her humanitarianism is uh, unmatched by most Christians, I would say.
0: Well, I think of Gandhi. Mm-hmm. Gandhi said I am not a Christian but I am a follower of Jesus. And look what he did. Right. And he lived the principles but he never, you know, proclaimed to be a Christian. James, we haven't heard from you yet.
2: Yeah, so I'm I'm just starting mentally from a a different point or starting point in terms of atonement, right? In justification theory. Because it, to me, it, it, its goal is to answer the question, why? Why would God want to deal with us? Because we know within ourselves, some of us are pretty uh, ratchet. Right? So then why would a powerful, great God want to have anything to do with us? And as an attempt to answer, in my mind, in my context, that question, So whether that is uh, using justification theory or another, it's all about why with all of my flaws, would an all-powerful God want a relationship or care about me? And it says it's not about you, it is about Jesus. This is the reason of the relationship development in building and care about your life Wherever you are, has everything to do about Jesus and not you. Whether you believe in that about the death, um, in the debt that needed to be paid, whether you believe in Christus Victor, a form of atonement, what all of these different approaches is to give a person the answer to the question why God wants you and wants you because. Jesus did these things Um, so I start there and if that is the reason then it um, it does say why then do we need to do certain activities and I think that is a human construction versus a uh, more of a a deity construction right so there are certain things you do based on what you believe right in 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 Church world, there are things you do, so therefore we assume you believe, right? Mm. Versus Mm. because I'm married, certain things I now do. Why? Because I believe I'm married, (laughs) right? It doesn't matter what the people around me say, right? Otherwise, every time you go on vacation away from your family, do you act like you still have a family, right? So these different activities, in the church wants to do the shortcut, which is if I see certain actions, you must be something mm. instead of the other way around. If your heart is right, certain things start to happen as a result. I want to go back to a, a point you were making, Brian, which is sometimes people are on a longer track and make a mistake. Right? In, in church world, they do a sin. And that sin was probably out of uh, what they were, repetition, habits that they had prior to trying to change their heart to go a new direction. So they fail prey to their habit. Has their heart now reverted? That's the question people are trying to assess, right? And the problem is we are assessing your actions, what we can see, versus your heart, which we can't see. And so therefore you have these situations where we know mean people do nice acts and they, and you look at them and go, this is a confusing reality. We know that person is mean. We know they, (laughs) but they did this nice act. So now how do you handle that? And that's this knee jerk reaction we have to be able to define people. Are you truly Christian? Jesus never asked that question. The disciples, I don't think they ever, I'm trying to think of through the New Testament, asked that question, but we do. I understand it. We we want to know what we're dealing with. We want to assess quickly what's going on here. Who am I dealing with? How do I need to engage them? But is that the right role for the church to be doing versus if I can get to your heart, these actions will happen. mm
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, and some of the reactions we have are when somebody in church leadership, for example, you know, is is caught doing something. One question we ask is, well, were they really ever a Christian to begin with? Maybe it was all a sham. And then that becomes sort of an embarrassing admission because we all agree that, yes, that person is not only a Christian but a leader, And we've put them in that role when, uh uh-oh, maybe they really didn't have what we call saving faith because look at what happened with their works. Mm -hmm. They really failed. Um, And like you said, yeah, mean people can do, or or let's just call it non-Christian people who don't have what we call saving faith, do all kinds of incredible things, good things. It's very confusing then when you base saving faith on some kind of behaviors that people engage in at whatever point.
0: Yeah, I think for me, our centered set vision and theology that we stand on as cornerstone and that I stand on personally is that we're all at different places, And it's not a matter of being saved or unsaved. For me, Christ died for the world. It's a matter of our level of understanding of God's love for us and our level of engagement and our level of allowing God's God's own work within our heart. So it's not a matter of who is saved and unsaved. I used to think like that, but I don't anymore. It's a matter of you know how much have i allowed god's presence of love in my life because if i and i say this all the time if i'm loving you i'm not going to commit adultery if i'm loving you i'm not going to do something that is harmful if i'm loving you as along you know with myself i'm not going to I'm not going to other you and, and in those cases do things. And so when a pastor and, and listen, you know, I think of what's gone on in the Catholic church. I think of what has gone on in so many churches and so many high level, well-known pastors that have fallen, you know, for me, it's, it's about ego. It's about self-satisfaction. It's about. The opposite of God and love, it's about their self. But whether they're saved or not never crosses my mind. It just isn't there. Yeah,
1: which is unusual, I think, among pastors in this yeah. part of the world. Yeah, and I'll attest to that too. I mean, I i feel comfortable being part of this community knowing that my theological views are probably at odds with maybe most of the people here. I'm not sure. Uh but the to have a dividing line of in and out is not really that important to us. You can feel it here, too. Like, um, you know, I think I've said before on the podcast, I look at the Nicene and Apostles Creed, which sort of form something of our statement of faith. Um, and most of it I don't really agree with after thinking about it for a long time and uh, studying it, kind of picking it apart. And yet I'm still here, you know. And the fact that um, my views on Christology and other, you know, aspects of what it means to be a Christian are different, here I am on the podcast, you Mm -hmm. know, talking about salvation. Uh, So it's really an interesting mix when you think about uh, it's not salvation that's the issue, it's love. So, in that sense, is that how you well, let's put it a different way uh i'm I'm comfortable in a group when I know what to expect of the people around me. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're trying to do here is create a community of loving people who love God as a focus so and one of the aspects or the uh outcomes of that is that I can come in, feel loved and comfortable and safe Mm -hmm. because of the love, not because they believe the same 10 things I do about the nature of God, the nature of Christ, the Bible, um, the nature of man, you know, gone down the list of most churches' statements of faith. I don't have to agree with any of them, uh, but I can make you feel safe and I can feel safe if I know there's love here.
0: Yeah, and and I don't think, you know, I often think of this as we talk about, you know, we don't say, we don't look at people as, you know, have the bounded set. If you do this, you're in. If you do this, you're out. But we do, and even when we have members sign their membership, what our criteria is, you can't be a jerk. <laughs> right, like we don't say that, but that's basically it. We invite you to live into loving God and loving others fearlessly, receiving and offering God's grace and abundance, valuing and respecting all people equally, staying at the table, you know, uh, embracing learning and discovery and and a, being a discipleship community. We do say there is a criteria. So I don't want to make it sound like there isn't, but the criteria is relationship and the criteria is love. And the criteria is, you know, being an inclusive community and understanding that because you stand solidly somewhere doesn't mean that, you know, we all do, right? Doesn't mean we all might agree with you. So we try to build an open conversation but i still have beliefs and stuff like that that i don't share from the pulpit because i think i'd have a stampede out of the church because there's still people who want that safety mm-hmm. who want who want don't tell me you know everything do you know does mm-hmm. that make sense yeah.
1: Yeah, it's easier to have ten points on a statement of faith yes. that you must agree with, even though they might not. St- if they don't agree with one of them, they got to keep that inside, not not talk about it. There's yeah. no questioning it. But I'm in if I can sign off on these ten things. Ours is a lot different than yeah. that. You're saying, yes, yeah.
2: I'm thinking through the. Um, when we talk about the atonement theories and what they mean and how we've interpreted in contemporary society today in church. And I'm thinking of it through the lens of a power dynamic. And that is, if there's a boundary, and it's a boundary on your eternal soul, and I can control that, Mm. right? This is a fear-based mechanism. If I can control where your soul will spend eternity and I firmly have control of that, now I've controlled you.
0: And I'm the gatekeeper. And I'm the gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. Right?
2: In that, it makes everything else supplemental love, supplemental, attendance, supplemental, all these other things. Become supplemental because I've controlled your soul where it goes to eternity. Mm-hmm. Versus, in a center set, it's like look, or in in atonement theory, it's like look, your eternal destination is done. In justification theory, Jesus paid it all; you're good. Now, let's get on to the things that you have the option to accept or not accept as my. Follower, Jesus' mm. follower, accept or not accept as a person who said they loved me. Mm. There's these things called love that I want you to apply to other people, and some of them you're not gonna like. Will you do that for me? Because your salvation is set. Your your eternal destination is set. Now will you do these other things
1: that is totally up to you? Mm.
0: Free will, right? Free
1: will. And that's a big contrast with um, the idea that you cross a line into the community by assenting to a set of propositions Mm -hmm. in justification theory. You believe in your heart Jesus is Lord, whatever it is you want to call it. You give your life to Jesus, or, you know, there's so many labels we put on that. Um, And then expecting, some kind of behaviors to change and develop over time. And if they don't, that calls into question that initial settledness. Mm-hmm. It calls into question the fact that um, you made a decision and it was permanent. Well, was it really? Based on what I know about myself and the thoughts I have, maybe not. You know, How do I know that that faith step that I took was authentic, good enough, you know, sincere enough, all of those kinds of things. Well, Brian, I'm even backing up another step mm. that when
2: we say Jesus paid it all, as it relates to the eternal destination of my soul, meaning it is completely over, meaning you and I will meet again on the other side. That's done no matter what you and I do from here on out. My only choice or choice is, is how will I act because I said I loved my, the whole rest of my life is to love my destination is known. it's over. Will I do what I said? Right. But the church has pulled it back and said, okay, but if you don't do what we all expect you to do based on what you love, does the finished work become unfinished? And in, there's no. Oh, I'm about to get in trouble. There's no evidence that that's true. That that's what Jesus wanted us to do. But it's no evidence that it will
1: be taken away. You know. So hypothetically, <clears throat> some that someone could assent to that uh, final work. Yep. Of Jesus, but then really fail at the rest of it. Fail at everything. And else. hate and yep. other and all the behaviors yep. we say are. Nasty and unchristian or whatever. We say no fruit of the Holy Spirit in their None lives. And yet that's, that, grace. that's, still,
2: that's covered, grace. You know? still covered. That's yeah. grace. Still covered. That's grace. And we're trying to figure out in Christian circles, what do you do with that?
0: Yeah, yeah we don't think it's fair.
2: Exactly. And it's oh, the yeah.
0: story of, right, um, the guy gathering people to come work for him, and they all got paid the same wage. Yes, Right, so the ones who worked all day got paid as much as the ones who came in one minute before the day was over. Yes, and the guys who worked the whole day were like, "This isn't fair." This mm-hmm. isn't. And fair. basically, the response was, "What's fair?" Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what? Well, right. I, I'm gonna right. Right. So that's, that's the depth you, of
1: grace. So do we have in our community people we look at and say, "Boy, that's really unloving." They're not. They're not getting that whole. Uh, love for each other and love for God—that's just not happening in that person's life.
0: Are they in or out? We have people in our community that are more like a mess, mm-hmm. right? Is
1: unable to instead of yeah, unwilling to. Yeah,
0: I think there, I think we have we have people that are people within our community because we don't ask anybody to put a mask on coming in, mm-hmm. and as a result of that, people come in a mess, and so it's more about that. But I think we do have a pretty strong foundation of love. If people came in and we had and they were treating people terribly, we, we would have a conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so you know there is a line, there is a boundary. I mean, if we had somebody who was, you know, walking around preaching a gospel of law, we would they wouldn't be at the pulpit. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, so we say we're we, we are a centered set, but there there are lines. You know, yeah. and but it's not. And there's what, ways to address
2: it, right? Yes, that's what gets missed with just hardline law. It is a very uh, dogmatic and it's a very dictatorial approach. Versus, you're engaging the person to say, "Why are you doing that?"
0: Relationally, yes.
2: What's what's going on there that makes that your your go to for this situation? What's going on in you? Right. Where's this coming from? Right? It's a lot harder and it requires some very mature conversations, but it, it, it happens. But it's done in a way that allows the person to change and allow, and hopefully takes the steam out of the uh, the approach of I need to be right and I need to win this argument. There is no argument to be had. There is how are we going to work and live with each other? We share the same space. How do we share it? And we both are able to enjoy life. How does that happen? It becomes the question. Versus, just do it like I said, and your life will be great. Well, did you understand my context? Where that may not work, and how are you making provisions to make it work? So yeah. th- that's the way I'm approaching.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we're on—I don't know what part of the spectrum, but you know there is that spectrum of um, sacramental. Mm -hmm. um, type approach where you take communion, baptism, confession, you know, these sacraments get you in Mm -hmm. and you need to continue to do them over and over and over, um, all the way to, Hey, you don't really have to do anything. Everything's up for grabs and, you know, you don't have to believe anything. If you don't want to, the universe Mm -hmm. will be fine with whatever you do. So we're somewhere in there. I'm not sure if it's middle or one end. Um, but, uh, it's, Definitely an example of how I think a healthy church continues to do theology as it goes along. Mm-hmm. Now, we're not stuck in defining atonement or salvation or saving faith the way it's always been defined. We're right. thinking about it, wondering, um, you know, what it is, exploring what it could mean, what it doesn't, what we think it doesn't mean. Um and I, again, I think we're all about experimenting with that. And the fact that we're including all these voices in on the discussion is a really healthy thing.
0: Well, it makes me think when you're talking, and you all know my tricycle. Thank mm-hmm. you, Richard Rohr. Yeah. Richard Rohr's tricycle. Um, of the big wheel on the tricycle is experience and the two back wheels, one is tradition, the other is scripture. And we we just we have a heavy or I have a heavy theology surrounding experience, but I have a high respect for tradition and for scripture. I think alongside of that, we do follow the sacraments. We do take communion. We do have baptisms. So, and we do have traditions. We haven't thrown the baby out with the bathwater. You know, I think that simply put i think our foundation is love and i think you know how does god live in the tension of the world how does god live in within humanity because if we believe that christ came and christ dwells in us that means christ dwells in within humanity and all of our incongruencies. I think sometimes with atonement theory, what happens is you look at people and go, you're good and you're bad. No, we're all human. And and God and God's grace, knowing that in creating humanity, there was going to be us going our own way because we were created for free will, that we were going to not be perfect. And... You know, the Bible talks about Christ being crucified from the beginning of the world, which from the foundation of the world, which always blows my mind. What that tells me is there was a plan for Christ from the beginning. There was a plan within God's own head, if he has one, you know, that if they have one, that that had a plan for our humanness. So it's not for me a matter of good and bad because we all have the bad and we all have the good. And as an aside, as long as I recognize that I have the bad, then I can love you within your bad, what we label as bad. So that's why for me, all of it comes under the heading of who Christ and, and God's love towards us.
1: Yeah. Good discussion, guys. This is uh, really interesting, and I know there's more questions, more things to talk about. Hopefully, uh, our listeners are now thinking about it for themselves, and uh, maybe wanted to read up on it or do a little more discussion at some point with any of Read Brian's blog. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I have a blog coming out on this um, in a week or two, so check out our blog page on our website. What is it? Cornerstone Christian Fellowship. Cornerstone, no. No. What is it? I don't even know.
0: Brian. Cornerstone Westchester. <laughs> oh, whatever.
1: Cornerstone Westchester. The greatest church ever.
0: Yeah. No.com. Cornerstone Westchester dot com. Love you, Brian.
1: Uh page is called Pull Up a Chair. Pull up a chair. Yeah, yeah. That's got all these kinds of yeah, Most of the articles are by me. I really need other people to write some more. But Matt, <laughs> Matt's the guy. He's been writing a few. So Awesome. Thank you, everyone. All right, now, have a great day. Staying at the Table is hosted by Dr. Tracy Saleta, Matthew Kissler, and James Beatty, and produced by Hear It Sound and Studio. Got a question or a comment or a topic you want discussed? Email us at adminccf at gmail.com we'd love hearing from you. And don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with new episodes coming out. And if you're feeling kind, leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. Find out more about staying at the table at cornerstonewestchester.com.